haven't been under 10,000 followers in three years, in over three years. I didn't know what that world was like anymore. So to make the decision to drop my account and start over from scratch was scary. I first found Carrie Perry when she had just started her brand new Instagram account, Social with Carrie. She probably had 800 followers at the time. When I went back to check on her a month later, her account had blown up to 3,000 followers. I'm not gonna lie, she was one of the first people who inspired me to start over on Instagram with a brand new account just one year ago. But this is not the story of someone who blew up overnight. This is the story of someone who continued to follow an uncharted path towards business success, doing everything from branding and websites to social media for real estate agents. She was putting in the work, putting in the hours, and pivoting whenever things didn't feel right. This is a story of an ordinary person doing extraordinary things. During this time, this pivotal moment when success hit, you know, where anybody else would be just like, you did it, you made it, success. You've been striving for it. I was completely and utterly burned out. In this episode, I asked Carrie about all those pivots and you will see for yourself how someone's blowing up on Instagram story can quickly become a long and winding road to success story when you start peeling the onion. Because that's the path that you are walking down and you will make it. But first, you gotta learn the lessons. Now, we had to cut the interview down for the podcast, but I kept the full interview inside our uncut vault at theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut, which you can access completely free. In the full version, you will hear more about Carrie's upbringing, how her mother set the stage for Carrie to live a full life of limitless opportunities, how she found the real estate world and the real reason why Carrie only markets to women specifically. To watch it for free, go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while you're commuting to and from work, I've been there. I know you're going to start getting clients soon and you'll be able to say, see ya suckers. I'm holding that dream for you. You got this. And if you get a chance while you're not driving, please head over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. Here's my interview with the social from scratch powerhouse, Carrie Perry. Welcome to The Global Phenomenon, the podcast about online coaching, the inspiring new career path responsible for multiple self-made millionaires, opening the doors for experts and professionals like you and me to stop living paycheck to paycheck and design a rich and abundant life with one purpose, to help others. I'm your host, Ina Coveney, six-figure entrepreneur and business coach. Listen for lessons and strategies that will turn you into the next global phenomenon. Today's episode begins now. Today I get the pleasure of interviewing Carrie Perry. Hi, Carrie. How are you? Hello, Ina. How are you doing today? I am so good and so good that you're here. I've been I'm excited to be here. I've been wanting to have you on forever. <laughs> um, and I'll I'll get to share a little bit of why. But first, 
Can you please tell us what is it that you do right now? Who you serve right now? Yes. Well, I am a social brand coach. I focus primarily on Instagram's platform. I help women entrepreneurs create profitable and authentic brands in that space. And I want to tell you that I found you because that was a messaging that was right on point for me. Um, I found you because you had just started a brand new Instagram account mm -hmm. and I saw you blow up. I started following you <laughs> maybe when you had like 800 followers or something. And I came back to check up on your account. I was like, oh, let me see how she's doing. And like the following week was like 3000 followers. I'm like, <laughs> What happened? Wait, <laughs> wait, what did she do? So we're going to get into all of that, into your blow up story. But first, I like to go way back. Can you tell us where you grew up and what it was like growing up being you? Yeah, so I grew up in Washington, D.C., uh, I'm in Atlanta now. That's where I live with my husband and my little girl. But I grew up in Washington, D.C. And I grew up with an extremely strong mother. Mm -hmm. And she was my role model. I idolized her. I wanted to be just like her when I grew up. And she worked hard and she had multiple degrees. And I wanted that exact same thing too. So I was in a million different things. I had my hands, I was in a million things. I was always doing sports and activities and drama club and debate team. Anything that I could really kind of get involved in, I was getting involved. I wanted to experience as many things as I possibly could to see where my interests would take me. And the wonderful thing is that my mother supported that every step along the way. She supported me trying out different instruments. I played the clarinet, the trombone for quite some time. If you can imagine me with this huge <laughs> trombone, the trombone and even the drums. And she just supported me making all these changes and trying out all these things. Mm -hmm. And that carried on as I got older, as I went to high school, I got involved in as many different things as I could. And you can kind of see there's a bit of a theme here of me wanting to test out and experiment and just see where life kind of takes me, see where my passions really flow. Where do you think that came from? I mean, you mentioned having a mother who had, you know, multiple degrees, clearly like, you know, high achieving mom. I would say that it really, honestly, I would say it came from her, you know, like, mm -hmm. and it came from the fact that she put me in the position to experience as many things as I could, that she gave me things, she gave me toys, and she gave me opportunities that worked my brain, that, that had me think about things in a creative way. And she put me into as many things when I was young, before I was making a lot of those decisions on my own, she put me into as many activities as she could, just uh -huh. so I can start to experience that and start to have that love for new experiences and learning new things. So I would say that she really fostered that in me. And then she just watered it. As I got older, she just watered it and it just grew and it grew. Okay. Where do you decide to go to college for what? Where is your mind going that you want to do with your life at that point in time? So at that point in time, I knew I knew that I wanted to go away to college, which what I mean by that is leave Maryland and leave DC because that was home base. 
and I wanted to go away and go somewhere different, experiencing something else. So I actually went to Temple University mm-hmm. and I studied business while I was there. And I'll get a little deeper into that as well. So it wasn't just business. I have to get very specific about what it is that I majored in because everything that I've told you up to this point, you'd probably assume I was going to do something very creative. <laughs> And I actually ended up majoring in risk management and insurance. Why? 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 Okay. So I wanted to make sure that when I came out of college, that I had a job, that I had a job. So one thing I tell you how my mother, you know, put me in these different opportunities. She always wanted me experience so many things. Well, here's the thing. When it comes down to it, and one thing that we haven't touched on yet is really my race. Being Black and growing up as Black, you want to make sure that you are putting yourself in the best opportunities to succeed. We realize that there are not as many opportunities for us. There's not as many doors open for us or doors being held open for us and that we have to make those opportunities for ourselves. So that was a part of the teachings that she gave me as well as to experience life and to make as many opportunities for yourself, but make sure that you're setting yourself up for success. So we knew... We knew, we knew coming out of coming out of high school and going to college, we knew that there are people that come out of college that do not get jobs. Not everyone is guaranteed a job when they come out of college. And I didn't want that to happen to me. Mm-hmm. So I did my research, Ina, and I was like, you know what? I want to know what major is is putting out the most people for jobs. <laughs> Hey, That's risk management, risk management and insurance it is. But that but the sole reason that I got into that program was to make sure that I could get a job when I graduated from college because what my mom told me was she said Undergrad is for setting yourself up for success. Yes, you want to have fun and you want to meet new people, but you want to make sure that you're setting your life on the right path. And that the first step in that is making sure that you can have a job, a career when you come out of undergrad. She said, it's your masters that you can pursue your, your passions, that you can pursue your passions and you can go in whatever direction you want to go in. But this first step is so very important. And I took that to heart. Yeah. I took that to heart. Now, there are, and I'm going to touch on that because this is, this is a big thing that kind of shapes how I, who I am as well. People in this day and age will not really, when I say people, I mean parents. This will be something that seems very strict for them because parents nowadays, there's just a million opportunities for kids. It's like opportunities for your children are just limitless. Well, it didn't used to always be that way. It's, mm-hmm. It didn't used to always be that way, and especially when my mother was raised, when she was coming up, there was barely any opportunities that were available for them. So I was raised by a woman who was raised by her grandmother. So mm-hmm. my mother's parenting style and mentality was a little bit more old school than even some of my peers and counterparts. Yeah. Now, she made a deal with me, you know, she said, if you go to undergrad, I will pay for it. I will pay for your undergrad. You will not have to worry about that. You will have to worry about your student loans or anything. But you have two years after that where you then have to go back and get your master's. You have two years and then you have to pay for your master's and that's the deal. She said, your undergrad will be completely paid off by the time that you've finished your master's. I guarantee you that. But if you do not go back to school and get your master's, then you will have to take over payments on your undergrad. So it was... She, it was a deal. She just, she put it out there and she said, 
I want you to get a secondary degree. I want you to get a master's degree. And this is the deal that we're making together because I wanna make sure that you are completely set up for success and as many doors and opportunities are gonna be open for you as possible. What is your mother's name? Her name is Mary, Mary Chambers. I'm, I'm crying because <laughs> um, I really believe that. Mary is, she, like you're saying, like everybody thinks like, oh, no, that must be so strict. She was doing everything in her power to make sure that you had an amazing life ahead of you in the best way that she knew how. And that she just, she's just getting so much respect and honor from me right now that that is exactly what a, a great mother does. Um, so I just wanted to hold a little bit of space for Mary Chambers. So let's, let's, first of all, I'd love to know, you know, in hindsight, I'm here crying because I'm a mom and, and I have a mom and I've, I've been through stuff in my life too. And I think that's just such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing that she was doing for you. But at the time, I, I want to get a little bit of a sense of what did you feel about that at the time? Like back then, does that seem like sweet? Like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. She's going to pay for this. I will go to my master to get my master's. This is a sweet deal. Like what was going through your mind when she sat you down and told you this? Honestly, you're talking to a type A overachiever. I was, I didn't mention it, but I was captain of my track team <laughs> as well. And I was in leadership positions in most of the clubs that I was in as well. And I was, you know, one of the top students in my class and I went to a private school as well. So yeah. I am, I'm an overachiever, a high achiever. So that made sense to me because there was never any doubt in my mind that I was going to go as far as I possibly could when it came to education. So it was a deal that was right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, you're like, sweet mom. Thanks. Exactly. Sounds great. Um, okay, so you finish your degree for risk management and insurance. What happens next? So at Temple University is located in Philadelphia, Philadelphia for those that do not know. So I went up, I moved from DC, Maryland up to Philadelphia. And then when I graduated from risk management, I got my first job, my first step in a career that is um, for a company called Martian McLean's company, which was a risk management company. So mm -hmm. if you're familiar with the, the movie um, Along Came Polly with Ben Stiller, and ben Jennifer Stiller, Aniston, yeah, he's a risk manager in there. So most people would ask me, they're like, "So do you think like what Ben Stiller does in that movie?" <laughs> not, not quite, not quite. But I went to work for a company, and I was with Marshall McLean's down in Houston, Texas. So then I flew down and lived in Houston, Texas for two years where I worked there and I was in their leadership development program, which was very strategic for that particular company. And I did risk management insurance stuff. Very glamorous. <laughs> okay. And so you have your, the job that you were going for, right? Are yep. you, are you at this point thinking, I want to do something else or are you planning for, okay, where, when am I applying for my master's? What is it that I'm doing? Like what is going through your mind at the time? So when I first got the job, I wasn't thinking about any of that. Like I was just kind of like, yes, I got a job. I have money. I bought a, I bought a house, but I did know that this, this career was not going to be a lifetime career for me. 
there were people that were in the program along with me that they were planning on staying there for the long run. Risk management insurance was what they actually wanted to do. It was never what I actually wanted to do. It was just what I knew was gonna get me a job. So I would say about a year in, my mom started to have those conversations with me about what, what, what am I thinking? What am I thinking for masters? What programs do I think I might wanna get into? What, what do I feel like I'm being called towards? So we were talking about it and I was telling her that I really believed that I wanted to do business, that I wanted to do business. And it was because I took all the foundational business courses when during my undergrad. It just wasn't my major, like my specific major was risk management insurance, but I took all the business courses. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I had interest in business and I knew that it was something that my mind really could grasp and something that I gravitated towards. I was good at it. I was good in those classes. I was good at it. So I was like, I think I want to get my, my MBA. I want to get my master's in business. You get your master's. I'm like fast forwarding through a lot here because mm -hmm. I, I want you to like to give me a bridge yeah. between you doing your master's, you moving to Georgia and at some point starting to do real estate. <laughs> Right, like okay, give me, give, okay. me a, give me a bridge because I want to start talking about how you started getting into the social media aspect of it all. But first, we need to figure out how did you make it to real estate from there. Okay, so I I will say this. I'll try I'll try to make that bridge. I'll try to go as quickly as I possibly can. So I ended up I I studied strategy. I studied strategic marketing in my undergrad, which is I mean my master's, which is very important because that's. All of what I do now, all of what I base everything that I do off now is based all on strategy and marketing. So I studied that and then I ended up getting a job at Procter & Gamble. So it was one of the, the positions that everybody wanted. Everybody wanted a job at Procter & Gamble. There was two positions that they handed out. I was one of them. I got a job at Procter & Gamble, relocated to Cincinnati, okay. relocated to Cincinnati. So I ended up working for Procter & Gamble for four and a half years. During that time, I met my husband. Now, while I was at Procter & Gamble, I actually had a coworker there where we decided together to start a business. Mm -hmm. And we decided to start a boutique consumer insights company because at Procter & Gamble, I did consumer insights. Now, during this first year of, of having my own business, of, of straight up struggling in my own business, not knowing what in the world I was doing, in that first year, Delaney and I really started to play around with the idea of buying a fixer-upper. Mm -hmm. It was it was something that was happening all over the city. It was very popular in Atlanta. There's so, so many real estate developers, so many real estate investors, and we just wanted to get a part of that. So we decided, you know what, we're going to take some of this money that we have and we're gonna buy a house and we're going to renovate it and we're gonna sell it. We're actually gonna do our own real life Chip and Joanna. So while I'm working in my first business with my partner, Dwayne and I are setting up this other business where we're going to do new constructions and renovations on houses. Okay, we're gonna pause because I want three things from you right now. Yes, three things. Number one, and I'm going to say them in order so that we don't all forget what the list is. I'm going to start with number one. What were the rules of social media back then at the billion dollar level? At the billion dollar level. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't quite put into words what the rules were, 
I mean, the I mean, the rules were really the same. It, it was it was all about getting people to notice you, which is what it's all about now. It's all about getting people to notice you. The difference between doing it at a billion dollar level and doing it at a much smaller level is budget. I mean, that's that's the biggest difference. The 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 goals and the rules are the same. They're, they're the same. It's just that there's way more money that you have to work with in terms of marketing campaigns on a social media platform to get that attention, to get people to notice you. You have way more money that you can put into it to make that happen. Mm -hmm. uh, a big thing that I studied while I was still at Parker & Gamble when I was putting together the thought leadership for social media was trying to understand the, the psychology behind why people use social media and why people use it to engage with brands to engage with brands. And it was a lot of psychology that went into what, why people are trying and why they are seeking relationships with brands. Yeah. Cause I mean, before social media, it's like, there's a brand and they're over there and you're here as a person right. and, and brands only talk directly at us before yeah. social media brands only talked at us, but social media created this place where we're almost on the same playing field, almost on the same, the same ground where we now there's a two way conversation. And this was a big difference for these billion dollar brands than what it was before. Yeah. So, so, but the, the, the rules and the, and the goals of it are still the same. We're still trying to get people to notice us. We're still trying to get them to be in relationship with us. And that was the same thing then. And I just had more money to play with. It's seven years after 2015. So the third thing is, what do you think is the biggest difference in this strategy, in the focus back then than it is now? The biggest difference is yeah. humanizing your brand. Now, it was still okay back then to put your brand first. It was still okay to, to show up as, as something that was not human, and to show up as something that was, that was just a brand. That was okay. Um, people were perfectly fine still being knowing that there was a team of people potentially working behind the scenes when they were interacting with the brand and everyone was perfectly fine with that 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 was because this was it was just starting this this relationship that we were having with brands was just starting out and just knowing that you could have any bit of a relationship with a brand any bit of a relationship with a business was good enough before now that's not good enough anymore people actually want to interact with other real people. And they want that from small businesses that are one person shops all the way to large brands. There are large brands that are starting to identify one person that's going to be the face of their account so that people actually feel as though they are interacting with another real person. Right. This, this, this change is happening for everyone. This, this, this movement towards humanization, this movement towards having deeper and more genuine relationships, relationships that actually mean something is, is starting to take shape for every size business. And that would be the biggest change between then and now. So now we have to make a bridge, a really quick one, because I want to get like I, I want to talk to you about starting your account from scratch. So let's make a quick bridge between you started getting into real estate and parts of your story is that you started to say, wait a minute, um, there's other people out there who are really getting clients like real estate buyers from social media. And I'm here like killing myself trying to make ads and expensive things when like everybody's just 
creating a presence on social media. I think I can do the same. And I think I can help people do the same. So you start doing like teaching social media to real estate agents. Is this right. correct? Am I getting that right? So how it happened was that because of my background in developing a social presence, I developed a very strong social presence for our real estate development company. So mm -hmm. Dwayne and I actually ran the real estate development company, renovated and built homes for four years. And over the course of that time, we were actually courted by HDTV. HDTV came to us. They wanted to make us their Atlanta, Chip and Joanna. So we did a whole sizzle reel with them. We shot our whole promo with them. It didn't end up going forward. They pulled the plug at like the last minute, but we, they found us because of my presence. Now, mm -hmm. because of that, I became known in the real estate space here in Atlanta as being the person that can get you big online. I got outside of the initial buzz from local agents, I ended up positioning myself on Instagram. Because I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? I think I can get big on Instagram. I see other people doing it. Instagram, I mean, so other people are just starting. They were just starting to do it at that time. You know, like really get big on Instagram, being a small business. But I felt like it's just photos. I can do that. Right. So I went ahead and put up my little curated photos, me taking photos all around the city and me starting to talk about my experience in real estate. And I targeted real estate agents. So I ended up building this Instagram account of over 10,000 followers of real estate professionals because my account was like, they wanted an account that looked like mine. They wanted mm -hmm. to show up that way as a real estate agent, um, the way that I was showing up. Mm -hmm. And I was targeting them by showing them an, an example of what they should do. Like, this is what you should do as an agent. And I target them, not home buyers and sellers. So then as they show me grow, and as they saw all the things that I could do, I decided I had so many people telling me like, well, can you just teach me Instagram? Like, I don't need a website. I don't need branding, which is what I was selling. They're like, I just want you to teach me Instagram. So I'm like, really? You just want me to teach you how to do Instagram? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can do that. So I ended up creating a whole course, a whole course that was, that was an Instagram course for real estate agents. And I taught them how to do what I did, how to create this whole presence on an Instagram and build it from the perspective of a real estate agent. When I launched this course, this course, it was the very first online course that I ever launched. And it was a very successful launch. When I launched the course, I think I made $25,000 the very first time I opened the doors for the course. This was my first time launching a course. So this was this was huge. This was massive. And that was that was big for me. And over the next few months after that, I made even more money from that. And I got even more huge clients from that. Ana, during this time, this pivotal moment when success hit, you know, where anybody else would be just like, you did it. You made it success. You've been striving for it. I was completely and utterly burned out. I didn't want to just work with real estate professionals. You know, you think that success and happiness come hand in hand, that when you've reached this level of success, that you're guaranteed to be happy. And I wasn't. And it's like, oh, boohoo you, right? <laughs> like you weren't happy because you were success and made all this money, but, but I wasn't happy. And so I decided, I said, you know what? I'm just going to take a break. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not in it. And it was supposed to start off as just a few weeks. 
you know, I, I took a break. My, my course was a self-paced course, so I wasn't involved in the operations of my course. Uh, I didn't have to be involved in that at all. So that was self-paced and I was taking a break from, from social media. And I was like, I'm just gonna take a break and decide where I wanna go with my brand, what I wanna do with my business. Next thing you know, this two week break turned to a two month break, turned to a two year break. Just like that. I, I was away from social and loved it. I loved being away from social media. It felt freeing. It, it just, I, I realized that I did it wrong. When I really sat down, I thought about it. There was, there was this, this, this moment, these moments in my previous company with Curb Creative where I worked with both men and women then, and I only work with women entrepreneurs now. And I would have my, my conversations with my clients, like the pre, the pre conversations you have before you start working together. And the one, the conversations with my female clients and the conversations with my male clients were very different. Women would feel, should I be doing this? They, there was guilt. They were guilt-ridden wanting to invest in their business. When I would talk to my men clients, it was, I deserve this. And, and having conversations like that back to back to back to back, I realized that I wanted to work specifically with women entrepreneurs that I wanted them to, to understand that there are other people out here that are willing to support you, that you may not feel like you have that, that good old boys club, that, that support from everybody to do this, but you still, you can do this and, and you can have these big dreams and you can go after your big dreams. And there are people that are here that are willing to support you every step along the way. I realized as I started to really sit back and think about and think about how those conversations made me feel at that time that I wanted to I wanted to build a business that fully supported the dreams and aspirations of women entrepreneurs. So I knew that when I came that I came back, so I did decide to come back on Instagram. Cause I was like, well, Instagram, I already did the Instagram thing. I'm pretty sure I could do it again. Like, so I decided to come back on Instagram. And when I came back, I decided that's how I was going to come back. That I was going to show people everything. That I was going to show them the good, the bad, the struggles. And I was going to support them every step along the way. And that I was going to take, I wasn't just going to talk about branding and marketing, but I was going to take everything that I had learned in my careers, everything that I had learned in my studies, everything that I had learned as this huge marketer and huge marketer in psychological sales at a billion dollar level, I was gonna drill it all the way down to, to make it understandable and tangible and digestible for the small business, for the women entrepreneurs that were just starting out and help them understand that they can take all these same things, take all these same strategies and practices and make it work for them that they can actually have a life where they are living more and working less while they're following their dreams. And, and I knew that when I came back, I needed to show up real. I didn't, I didn't need to be what they wanted me to be. I needed to be who I was and to show them how things actually were so they could feel that they can actually do this for themselves as well. 
couple months later, you start your new account. You say goodbye to the real estate audience and you say hello to Social with Carrie. Yeah. Uh, was that a scary thought? Was that an exciting thought starting a brand new account? It was freaking scary. It was so scary. Like most people think that I like that it was an easy decision for me. It was an extremely difficult decision for me. I I had to I hadn't been under 10,000 followers in three years. In over three years, I didn't know what that world was like anymore. Mm -hmm. So to make the decision to drop my account and start over from scratch was scary. So when you decided to do reels, can you give everybody like one thing that you were sticking with, like an anchor that everybody who wants to start with reels or with TikTok, short form video of some sort, what is one thing they should really, really make sure that they do? What is one thing you were hanging on to? I was hanging on to being myself, to being myself. I, I did not want to look like anybody else. Um, and, and it's not to say that I wanted, I wanted to make sure that I stood out. That's not what I mean. I just, I wanted to make sure that when somebody saw one of my reels, that they felt like they were getting a glimpse at who I was. What do you think is the biggest misconception that people have of you as a successful businesswoman? I would say the biggest misconception, especially as being in this Instagram space, because I'm lumped in with Instagram experts. But if you recall from the very beginning of this conversation, I didn't call myself an Instagram expert. I called myself a social brand coach. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the biggest misconceptions is that I, one, do not have any type of background in marketing. That, that I am just a made it big because I went viral. Um, because there's so many Instagram experts that just made it big because they went viral. So there is a misconception that I don't have the background in marketing. And that's something that I try to talk about as much as I possibly can without tooting my horn too much, is that I do have this vast background in marketing and that my expertise actually is in marketing and strategy and brand development, not in Instagram. It's just, Instagram's just my poison of choice. <laughs> It's just where I choose to to bring all of my knowledge to. And then the other misconception that's a part of that as well is that I have all the time in the world, that I spend all my time on this little app. And the thing is, is that I don't. And that is part of why I show my daughter. A lot of people do not show their kids on social media and, and that's to, to each their own. I show my daughter because I want people to see that I have a life. I have a rich and a busy and a hectic life outside of this app that I live at every opportunity that I have. So I am strategic with the time that I spend on the app. I do not spend all of my time on the app. Finally, if there is one thing that you would ask everybody who's listening to do, and they have to do this in the next 24 hours, what would that one thing be? Oh, what would that one thing be that you have to do within the next 24 hours? I would say, I want you to go on to Instagram because that's that's my poison of choice, right? So you should, we should, we probably all have businesses on Instagram, but I want you to go there. I want you to either do a live, a video to your feed or a story. It has to be a video. It has to be a video. And I want you to tell your audience something about you that they do not know. I want something personal. 
now I'm not saying that it needs to be transparent. Like that you have to have, it has to be this full transparency and you're spilling your heart out. It can be as simple as the ice cream flavor that you like. But I want you to tell them something about you. I want you to deliberately and intentionally humanize your brand. I want you to create a connection between you and your audience by simply inviting them in with a personal tidbit about yourself to know more about you and to be in relationship with you. Over the next 24 hours, that's what I want you to do. I'm going to do that as soon as I get off of this. So <laughs> Carrie Perry, this has been such a pleasure. Please tell everybody where to find you. Uh, where can they plug into what you have going on? Because everybody needs to go and find you right now. So my Instagram handle is social with Carrie and my website, which is also my program is social from scratch. And that's my program where I help women entrepreneurs over 12 weeks of training and coaching and with an amazing coaching community as well, build their profitable and authentic brands on Instagram. So you can find me at both of those places. And I would be beyond honored to have you in community along with myself and Ina, who's also in the community as well. I would be beyond honored to have you in there with us. It's, and it's going to be great. We're going to put all those links in the comments. So Carrie, thank you so much. You have been so gracious, so open with us and, and letting me take you wherever I wanted to take you. So really, thank you so much for this. Thank you for having me. This has been nothing but a pleasure, which I knew that it would be talking to you, Ina. So thank you so much for this honor of having me on your podcast. Thank you. We'll see you on the socials. All right. Bye, Ina. Hey there, Ina here. After this interview, you may be wondering how you can build authority and start getting clients, even if you don't have a thousand followers on Instagram. I got you covered. Stay tuned for the next companion episode where I will share with you my top three secrets to build online authority, even when you have a small audience. Follow and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss it. If you would like to listen to the full interview, With all those details that only the super fans really want to know, go to theglobalphenomenon.com slash uncut and get free VIP access to the full library of all the uncut interviews. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. You know that part in this episode that made you go, oh my God, I need to write that down. I want to know what that was. So go over to Instagram and find me at your engagement coach and send me a DM. I want to hear it. And if your business bestie is missing out on all of these juicy strategies, make sure to take a screenshot of the episode and share it to your stories. Remember to tag me so that I can thank you personally for all your support. I'll see you on the next episode.